uh, back at it. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. It is October 19th. It is finally at long last game week for Oklahoma State. They've had, uh, this will be their third straight week of practice before playing a game. Uh, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, it's finally game week, and I guess we have some uh, breaking news as we begin the show. Yeah, so I just saw this uh, right as we were just about to start recording. So Mike Gundy, uh, this is according to Zach Lancaster on Twitter, who does a great job uh, covering Oklahoma State, said Mike Gundy just updated Spencer Sanders' status and said he should be at 100% for Iowa State. He also mentioned possibly using both Illingworth and Sanders, depending on how things develop. If that is not just the last thing I wanted to read on a Monday morning, I don't know what is. Yeah, I mean, how much of that is Mike playing games and how much of that is his impressions of, of Shane Ellingworth and how impressed he's been with his arm strength? I mean, to me, it seems as if like he's just playing games. I don't seriously think he's considering playing both, although Gundy did fall in love with the the JW Walsh machine, the, uh, the, the goal line package, which actually really did help their red zone offense. The red zone offense was struggling at the time that they, they implemented that, but I don't, I think they're going to roll with Spencer Sanders. Don't you? Yeah. To me, bringing somebody in who can run in short yardage situations to offset a guy who's purely a passer, which is kind of what they were doing with JW Walsh makes more sense to me than to bring in Illingworth in a situation I just – I don't know. If you bring in Illingworth for spot situations and spot football, aren't you going to be kind of tipping your hand that you want to throw a deep ball? And aren't you also going to be knocking Spencer Sanders' confidence a little bit that you don't think that that's something that he can do? I mean, that that should be smart as part of Spencer Sanders' job as the starting quarterback. So, I hope that this is just to make Iowa State prepare for two guys. I hope that's the reason he said that, and it's not something that we actually see. I've just – Man, I, it worked sometimes with JW. It worked with Blake Bell and Norman. But again, that's bringing in running specialists who can also throw for a trick play. I think that's a little different than taking out the dual threat guy and putting in a guy who you know is just going to throw it. Yeah, it eliminates all the zone read stuff. You obviously know Willingworth's not going to take off with the football. It, it does kind of limit the play call selections and literally limits what the defense has to worry about. I'm with you there. Now, I do think, Colby, that, you know, Spencer Sanders has been a turnover machine this, thus far in his career. I am willing to admit that if he, you know, throws it to their team twice, that I don't think Gundy's going to hesitate now that Illingworth has some playing experience to throw him out there. And if he thinks he can – and let's say if OSU gets down, too, and they need to throw the football, I I would be willing to admit that they probably put Illingworth in at that, that point, too, if, if, if Sanders is not on with his throwing game. So it's nice to have options, and it's, I guess the Spencer Sanders injury – really did make this somewhat of a reality for Gundy where he can make a decision. Now, Gundy's history tells us that he might make the wrong one, but um, it's certainly interesting going into Iowa State week, that's for sure. Yeah, it is. It's interesting you bring up the turnovers. I I don't know. That was early last season, mid last season. I really think that he had kind of started to get over that and the offense was humming last year before he got hurt. I just, Spencer Sanders has made those mistakes. He's learned from them. and, And I feel like we've yet to see that from Illingworth because we haven't seen a ton of Illingworth. The sample size is still very small. I mean, the two teams that he's played against have been West Virginia and Kansas, which isn't exactly the cream of the crop. So I I don't know. I'm I'm still very undecided on what I think about Illingworth just due to sample size. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if Spencer Sanders does have a game like the one at, in Lubbock last year, if he has a first quarter like the one in Lubbock last year, yeah, I think then in, in that scenario, it would be okay to pull him and give the other guy a shot. Did you know Spencer Sanders threw more interceptions than touchdowns in Big 12 play? I did not know that. That's a good stat. He threw an interception in every single game except for Oregon State, McNeese State, and Kansas. Wow. So I don't know if he's over that just yet. Now, again, he, he was a redshirt freshman making his first season playing at the college level. I'm not – That's a lot of picks, though. I, I, it's a ton, and that's, that's, what, that's what really held him back and held the team back. But I'm not sitting here saying that's what he is. He's not the finished product. But I'm just saying that if that trend continues this weekend on Saturday, I don't think Gunny's going to hesitate to – throwing our quarterback out there. I, I will give Gundy credit when when a quarterback has struggled like that, he's not hesitated. I, I think back to that that TCU game at home uh, where J.W. Walsh really struggled through a couple picks. He throws in Clint Shelf. He goes and wins the game and then and then Shelf's the guy from there on. So he, he has shown a willingness to, to make a change if, if the quarterback's turning it over. Yeah, that's true. He doesn't necessarily always get it right the first time. But his in-season adjustments. <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, he gets it wrong, and then he realizes it in game, and he fixes it. That's kind of been the story, hasn't it? Yep. No, you're right. I mean, I I think he's he's made the wrong decision a lot, but I think Spencer Sanders can come out and play well on Saturday. You know, he's chomping at the bit. Obviously, he's 100 percent after you know he's sat out for so many weeks now. I think yeah, I think I think Spencer's going to come out and play well. I don't I don't think we'll see Ellingworth. That's just my my thoughts on it. Uh, I mean, Spencer, real quick before we move on, Spencer hasn't played since the Kansas game of last year. I mean, he played a series against Tulsa. When's the last time he played a full game? Was it yeah. – I guess it would have been before he hurt his foot last year. Yeah, he hurt his thumb in the Kansas thumb, game. Maybe. Is, that, is that what knocked him out? I think that's Might've what it was. Yeah, he had like wrist or thumb surgery. So, so yeah, it's been he's, it has been a long time, and I'm, I'm – I'm excited to see what he looks like and see what, and really Colby, we don't know what the offense looks like. I mean, we saw one series with Casey Dunn at the helm and with Spencer Sanders in there at quarterback. And since then it's been kind of makeshift with, with Illingworth. So I, I think kind of gives OSU a little bit of an advantage going into Iowa state because they don't have any tape. <laughs> they have no game tape with, with Sanders this season. So yeah. I mean, do you, do you think they're pulling tape? Do you think they're pulling tape from last season before Tylen got hurt and before Spencer got hurt? Cause that's the last time, that we saw Spencer Chuba and Thailand all go out there and go to work. I would think so. I mean, that it's not exactly rocket science. I mean, they're going to run the zone read and they're going to throw it to two and they're going to hand it off to Chuba. <laughs> I don't think they're going to, you know, reinvent the wheel by any means. So yeah, but I, I do think that's, it's going to look a lot like that. I'm just curious if, if Casey Dunn has, you know, every play caller has their own preferences. Uh, has their own little tweaks and stuff. And we haven't really quite been able to see what, what Casey's are yet. So I'm, I'm excited to see that as well. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it this week. It's been too long. Thanks Baylor. Yeah. I'm kidding. We'll get to them. Uh, let's hear from Chris university spirit. You can go to chrisuniversityspirit.com to shop for all your cowboy needs. Obviously got a home game on Saturday, hosting Iowa state, you know, uh, buy some new gear, go to Chris university spirit there on campus corner. Again, we appreciate Chris's joining us for the podcast once again this season. Let's get to the first five, Colby. Uh, you mentioned Baylor, and I absolutely roasted them on, on Twitter when I saw this photo leak out on Saturday. So Baylor is the only Big 12 school or pro football program uh, not capable of fielding a football team due to COVID numbers. And yet they held a school-sponsored homecoming event inside the stadium where students are literally packed in on the field 
you got Dave Aranda up there speaking to everybody. It's just, it's a cluster of, of humanity. And I don't know, Colby, I, I think Baylor should start forfeiting games if this is their, the way they're handling stuff. This is yeah, a total I joke. I don't know if everybody's seen that photo. I tweeted it out. Yeah. Go look at it. It's a joke. Yeah, I actually think cluster of humanity should be on a sign as you drive into the campus. Baylor University, cluster <laughs> of humanity. It just, I, I don't know. Baylor, for some reason, cannot figure this out. There's been a lot of things over the last decade that we all kind of have a, a consensus way of looking at what is clearly the right thing to do and what is clearly not. And Baylor seems to find themselves on the side that is clearly not more times than not. I, I don't know. Under Matt Rule, it was pretty good. It, it's even if, you know, people were tweeting out and saying that the picture was deceptive, but those pictures that they sent looked like they were earlier. And I mean, regardless, that's just, it's a bad, bad look whenever you are the one keeping the conference from playing football and sticking to its original schedule. And you, you can't do enough to stay on the field, but yet you can throw your big homecoming event. I don't know. I mean, Oklahoma state has the best homecoming in the country and Oklahoma state suspended homecoming for this year because circumstances aren't normal. And we can't just pack that many people together like that. I, I don't know. I just thought it was a really bad look from Baylor. And I think it just kind of showed um, and continued the pattern of Baylor being tone deaf on serious issues. And I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm out. Of, as Michael Scott would say, I'm out of carrots. I'm out of sticks with the Baylor Bears. <laughs> You're right. I mean, the, the optics of this are horrendous. And look, I, you can look at the picture and there, the, some of the rows of students are separated, like whatever. It, it's just a terrible idea. It's terrible optics. And it's not as if Colby Baylor has five or six players out they have like 30 they have like 30 kids that have it and that's why we're not that's why they didn't play against Oklahoma State and I'm sorry I, I just if this is the policies they're implementing while they're dealing with this then they need to start forfeiting games because no other school has that many numbers of, of positives so yeah I just thought it was a terrible that, look terrible look I mean I absolutely think that that you know a single outbreak could happen to any team. You have a guy go out, he goes out with his friends, does something he shouldn't, comes back and brings it to the team and you can have an outbreak. But we're going on 6 weeks now of Baylor only being able to figure it out once. And yeah. at some point, I, I and at some point if Baylor continues down this road, then the Big 12 is going to run out of games to reschedule and you're going to have to start playing eight or nine game regular seasons and determining it on winning percentage. Well, whenever you look at a team like Oklahoma State, who is realistically probably the only team in the Big 12 with a chance still to make the college football playoff, having eight wins or nine wins could be a big, big deal in that conversation. Now, a lot has to happen for Oklahoma State to put themselves in that position, but you would hate for it all to happen and then them not to have enough games and get bounced by somebody who's played more elsewhere. Right. I mean, I – I don't think they're going to end up playing that game. I mean, if, if Oklahoma State's in the Big 12 championship game, I just – I don't think they're going to – I don't think they're going to play that game. That's just my opinion. And I think Baylor should have to forfeit it personally. But anyway, I, that's that's all a Baylor I can talk. I'm just disgusted with them. Uh, yeah. OSU ranked number sixth in the AP Top 25 poll, Colby. It's the highest they've been since 2017, back when Mason Rudolph and company – uh, lost on their home field at TCU, actually, when they were ranked six coming off that win against Pittsburgh when they blew Pitt just completely off the map. Uh, Colby, it's uh, OSU's been dominating idle the last few weeks. Uh, they, they keep beating the idle week and uh, moving up the pole. 
Yeah, uh, maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Oklahoma State hasn't gotten to play the last couple of weeks because everybody else keeps losing. And you can't lose if you don't play. So Oklahoma State's just kind of been moving up. Uh, you know, North Carolina went down, which, by the way, congratulations to you. I know you're a Florida State fan. It must be nice to to have your program not be the laughing stock for a week. Yeah, it was just nice to see competent football for a change. It has been embarrassing there for a long time now. Yeah. So anyway, North Carolina goes down. Uh, obviously, Georgia goes down, but that was a little different. That was two versus three. So I, I understand them staying up where they did it. It does, to me, though, set a precedent that they are going to put Bama and Georgia in unless someone forces their hands not to. Unless an Oklahoma State comes in and goes 11-0, and I think they'll, they're fully prepared to put Bama and Georgia both in. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And they're just dying to put an 8-0 and or a 7-1 and Ohio State team and over an undefeated OSU team. I mean, they're just, they're dying to. And I, I, this is Colby where I don't think the Big 12's done OSU any favors at all. Obviously, Oklahoma and Texas are down. Uh, Kansas State and Iowa State somehow lost in a non-conference and are undefeated in Big 12 play. Makes no sense. So I, I think OSU, have any prayer making the playoff, has to go undefeated, don't you? Uh, yes, to have any chance, you have to go undefeated. I, mean, I saw some people speculating, well, if you lose to OU the first time, but they run the table and then you beat them in the Big 12 championship game. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I still don't think it would be enough because helmet logo weighs so, so heavy in that room, or I guess I should say on that Zoom this year is probably how they're doing it. Um, I, I just don't think an Oklahoma State team can get in with one loss. Yeah, I'm with you. Which, again, I, I'm curious to see how they weigh – teams who haven't played the similar amount of games and, and also Colby I'm interested to see you know the SEC is putting up points and yards and bunches it looks like an old school big 12 type of season down there I, I want to see analysts and the CFP committee get up there and say you know what we just don't think we just don't think the SEC defenses are any good because look how many yards and, and points they give up you know it's just is that sliding scale going to work with the SEC they just or are they just going to do the, the the vaunted eye test and go, well, they have all these draft picks. They're actually probably better than, you know, they get, I know they give up 40 points a game, but they actually have all these NFL guys. So I think they're better than OSU's defense. Do you think that, do you think they're going to finally admit that when you face a good offense, you're going to give up points and yards, or are they just going to write it off to SEC as all this NFL talent? Yeah, I, that's a good question. Cause I, I mean, we've watched some SEC football this year and I tell you what, I have not watched a more impressive defense than Oklahoma State's not Bama's not Georgia's not Arkansas's not A&M's not Florida's I I don't know what that means at the end of the season because I test essentially gives anyone the ability to use their own biases about whatever they already think to justify the decision that they're making and that's what we see with the college football playoff they can make whatever decision they want and go well you know you just got to look at the eye test well, that's just you doing whatever you want to do and not looking at the metrics and the, the what's right in front of you. So I understand it's always going to be a little subjective, but I actually think a college football playoff with the computers might be a better system. But I mean, that's a whole nother rabbit hole um, where we get bias out of it. Cause I just think going into the season, OU, Ohio state, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, I just think they have these built-in advantages of having the helmet logo that if, if push comes to shove and two resumes are close, it's undoubtedly going to one of those with a helmet logo. Oh yeah. I mean, we, we can go all the way back to 2011 when Kirk Herbstreit sits up there and goes, well, I just, I just think Alabama's better. 
their, their eye test is better to me than Oklahoma State. When all of the metrics, you put up the blind resumes, they weren't close. So yeah, it's just it's become who I just who I just prefer to be in the game as opposed to what they've actually done on the field. So that's frustrating. Uh, let's talk OSU Iowa State, Colby. Uh, obviously, this this game was a kind of line in the sand game before the season ever started in terms of which direction Oklahoma State season was going to go. I mean, back-to-back weeks, Iowa State and Texas in Stillwater. They've had to wait, you know, three weeks with no games. But, Colby, this is a, a obviously a huge game in terms of Oklahoma State making the Big 12 championship game. But Iowa State's a really good team. To me, they're kind of mirror image type football teams. Two really good defenses who will tackle you, uh, some veteran quarterback play, and two of the best running backs in the league. So it's this is going to be a close game, I think. Just what are your, your kind of early week thoughts? We'll, we'll make the prediction coming up on Friday, but just kind of give me your early thoughts on this matchup. Yeah, I think this will be one of the two or three best games of the season that Oklahoma State plays. I think Oklahoma State and Iowa State usually play pretty good games. You remember the Marcel Aitman game several years back in Ames where he goes up and makes the big catch in the back of the end zone? I was standing about three feet from him when he made that oh, catch. Man. And that was phenomenal. I mean, it was unreal. You, you've got that game. You've got the game last year where Brock Purdy throws three fourth-quarter interceptions and Oklahoma State wins it late. It's just been a really competitive series between these two teams, basically since Matt Campbell has gotten Iowa State right. And these games are always fun. And, and Oklahoma State typically finds a way to make more plays than Iowa State does in the fourth quarter and come out on top. And I hope that that's the case again. I actually – I should have looked at the line before we came on here. Have you seen the line? I think OSU's favored by four, last I saw. That sounds right. It's in Stillwater. Oklahoma State's a, a top six-ranked team in the country, even though they haven't played in three weeks. I, I don't know. Does the, does the layoff impact what you're going to do prediction-wise at all? Are you going to factor that in? I don't think so. And I don't think I am either. I just look, I know it's a challenge, but you get to, you get to game day. Like I don't, I don't see it affecting you at all. I mean, I obviously you might have a little bit of rust with timing, maybe with the receivers and court. I, I don't know. I, I haven't played collegiate football. I just have a hard time. I don't think there's any excuses. This is a game you should win. You're on your home field. Uh, you've you had this game circled for a long time. I mean, this was really your this was always going to be your first test of the season, really, in terms of are you Big Twelve championship caliber. So I don't I don't think it affects them. And to your point, the whole cardiac Cowboys nickname has come about basically because of Iowa State. They've pulled off these just miraculous comebacks. I go all the way back to 2015 before Matt Campbell, that game in Ames that OSU had no business winning. I don't even remember, like, I think David Glidden played a big role there late. Uh, that That's kind of where it all started. But uh, another key for me, Colby, is Jaquan Bailey has looked like the D- Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year so far from Iowa State, at least Defensive Lineman of the Year. And OSU struggled in the first quarter when they were at full strength, or at least on their first drive against Tulsa. Now, it was like a 17-play drive, and they had to settle for a field goal. Um Tulsa's better than we thought. They have some NFL talent on defense. So maybe those struggles were were overblown against Tulsa. Maybe Tulsa's a lot better than we thought. And I think that's the case. Can the offensive line handle Bailey and Iowa State? I think that's going to be so critical in this game if they can run the football. If they can't run the football, then you're dropping back Spencer Sanders. Then maybe you're looking at bringing in an Illingworth with the throwing game. That's when I think some more problems will arise. So that's kind of what I'm looking at. Bailey against... OSU's offensive line I think is a huge huge matchup in this game yeah one thing I think we need to point out is that knowing that Illingworth is at least ready 
to step in. I mean, obviously nobody thinks he's like a superstar Heisman caliber guy yet, but just knowing that he can come in and handle a game, I think that that gives you the flexibility as a coaching staff to not have to worry so much about protecting Spencer Sanders with your play calling, because you remember, you, you know, you talk about running the ball last year when Oklahoma state's offense started humming in the middle of the season. I mean, it's whenever Spencer Sanders was getting about 10 design runs per game, pulling it down, uh, you know, letting them converge on Chuba and then getting to the edge. And then what does that do? That starts to hold the linebackers and the safeties. And now Chuba has bigger lanes to run through. So I think that Oklahoma state uh, and the coaching staff will be fairly, uh, aggressive with how they use Spencer Sanders in the run game, because I think that that's an added element that just makes it so much more difficult for defenses to, to defend. And I think that that will help Chuba have some more room to run than what we've seen the first few weeks. Great stat just posted from uh, Cade McFarlane, a uh, friend of the show. In the 10 games before last season's matchup with Iowa State, OSU's defense was allowing 35 points per game, 500 yards per game, 6.7 yards per play in the nine games since including Iowa State they're giving up 18 points per game 350 yards per game and only five yards per play they've really turned a corner uh, since that Iowa State game uh, last year where they picked off Purdy that you mentioned three three times in the fourth quarter the, the OSU defense has has changed and it's it's outstanding. I think they have a real chance to 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 get after Brock Purdy. Did you see that Brock Purdy inter, like interception slash fumble against TCU? I did. Yes, the one where he just kind of spun and flung. <laughs> yes, it was one of the most hilarious things I think I've ever seen from a quarterback. So I think. Yeah, it was terrible. Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's this weird quarterback where it's like every other week he either looks like one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and you're like, man, this guy can play. He's got so much potential. I can't wait to see if this guy could ever max it out. And then the next week, you'll see Brock Purdy go out, and it'll be a game like the one against Louisiana. Like, what the hell happened against Louisiana for <laughs> Iowa State? They put up 14 points, and Brock Purdy looked like he should have been on the borderline getting benched. So, I, I don't know. I don't think that that happens this week. I think that that was maybe just Iowa State didn't show up ready to play. And I assume they'll show up ready to play this week. But that stat on Oklahoma State's defense – is pretty staggering. I think, obviously, this year, Calvin Bundage coming back and looking as good as he's looked rushing the passer is huge. Also, I think Rodarius Williams turning into legitimately one of the best corners in the entire country has just been a game changer for Oklahoma State because it just gives you so much more freedom with the rest of your defense if you know you've got one guy out there who can just be on an island and he's fine. I mean, that's been an underrated storyline so far. You've been all over that with the pro football focus. Uh, they've been all over his his play for Rodarius. And yeah, I mean, he's been a, he's been Thorpe Award caliber good so far this year. And uh, he'll have his hands full on against Iowa State. And maybe, I don't know how they're going to cover Charlie Kolar, but that's that's another issue we'll probably yeah, get into. Yeah, who do they on. match up with Kolar? I, I Sterling probably? Sterling or Peel, I would think. Um, maybe the, the nickel. Maybe the Christian Holmes kid. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a tough matchup. Did you ever watch Kolar in high school? I did. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised he didn't get more interest locally. Obviously, OU had uh, Calcaterra committed and the uh, Jeremiah Hall kid committed. I'm not sure what OSU had, but I, think, I guess things had I kind of gone Kolar sour. OSU, if I remember right. What's that? I think Kolar had an offer from Oklahoma State, if I'm remembering that right, and chose – that he wanted to go play for Matt Campbell. Yeah, and his brother his brother was a quarterback at the time at OSU, and I think that situation yeah. just hadn't panned out. And 
had that situation panned out better, maybe he would end up in Stillwater. But I think that kind of gave me more reason to to go up there and play for Matt Campbell. So uh, speaking of Matt Campbell, you know, he gets all this national love and, and rightfully so. I think he's one of the better coaches in the country, uh, Louisiana notwithstanding. Uh, but or wait, did K-State lose Louisiana? No, K-State lost to Arkansas State. I get those two losses. Iowa, they're they're yeah, equally Iowa embarrassing. Louisiana, who just lost to Coastal Carolina, who dominated Kansas. It's a whole thing. <laughs> So, yeah, he gets all this national hype and love, and rightfully so, but Mike Gundy's 3-1 and one against Matt Campbell, and he's, he's owned him so far. Uh, what, do you, what do you think of Matt Campbell? Do you think this is a guy that eventually will end up at one of the Blue Bloods? Or I mean, I know he just signed another contract extension with Iowa State, but he's a really good coach, but, but Gundy's gotten the better of him so far. Yeah, he seems like a guy who just can't stick around Ames forever. I mean, it's just – it's Iowa State. It's not a very big job, and Campbell seems – like a big time head coach, but I, I don't know. It's seems like he could have had a big job a couple of years ago. You remember their their last season with David Montgomery, David Montgomery and Hakeem Butler? I think it was two, maybe three years ago. Yeah. I, I felt like the iron was hot right then and, and Matt Campbell could have struck and he decided to stick around in Ames. So I don't know. Maybe he likes it there. We as Oklahoma State people, we know there were rumors about Gundy going elsewhere forever and uh never did. So you never know. Maybe he does stick around Ames. Yeah, maybe he'll be their, their Mike Gundy. I just – the difference is he didn't go to school there. He's kind of an Ohio guy. I think maybe if uh, Ryan Day were to leave for the NFL, I think, I think Ohio State job maybe one that he would leave for. But I, I've been – I'm shocked he's still there, frankly. I thought he was going to take the, the best job available once he, once he had that big season with Montgomery and them as well. So we'll see if Gundy can make it 4-1 and one on, on Saturday. Uh, number five of the first five, Colby, our best bets were not great. Uh, you you took uh, the points with Georgia Tech against Clemson. They were down by like 50 at halftime. Your thoughts? I almost had it. I mean, just so, so <laughs> close to covering the 27. I, I wasn't watching that game when it started. I think me and my wife were out running errands, and I checked the score on my phone. And, I mean, I had to check the score on my phone at noon, maybe 12, 15. If the game hadn't been going that long. And it was like 42 to seven already. I was just like, whoa, whoa. So I, I always knew there was that risk with Clemson running away from it, from them. And uh, it happened. I tell you what, what Dabo Swinney has done at Clemson is astonishing. I mean, they're, they are now, I think, a better overall football program consistently than Alabama right now. I think they're number one. They're obviously ranked number one in the country right now. That's obvious. But just in terms of what Dabo Swinney's built is nothing short of incredible. They have just creatures everywhere, all over the field. I would, I'd probably argue their defense has been more impressive than OSU's just from the, the dreaded eye test. Uh, but man, they are just, that's why it's tough to lay points against them. They are unbelievable. I had, yeah. one, of the I had one of the worst beats of the week, Colby. You did. You had a very bad beat. Uh, let's see here with a minute 45 left in the game puka williams from kansas returned a 92 yard kickoff to make it 38 17 west virginia to cover the number one minute 45 left i lost i lost the uh the points there so that is i was a lot kick we, we had we had equal heartbreak in much different fashion yours was over early mine was over late yeah so maybe yeah, we'll go Saturday for our picks. Maybe we'll, we'll sweep next week with, with wins. Uh, you want to preview the uniforms on, on, you want to preview the uniforms on Saturday? 
let's are we gonna record another one later in the week yeah you want to wait i'm gonna hold off because okay. i want to give it more thought okay i'm with you there my oh, dad yeah. by the way my dad just randomly on a <laughs> on uh i think it was yesterday on sunday just texted me a picture of the helmet that has the brand the white helmet that has the brand with the the orange and black stripe going down the middle yep with no content or he said this is our best helmet and it's like that it's like sunday at like one o'clock what what made you what, where did this come from he's like oh pfb had it in one of the articles like, oh okay now now that makes more sense he was reading yep. some pistols firing stuff and he just he loves that helmet and i'm with him it looks pretty great uh before yes, we before yes, we get out of here you got nice, yeah. uh, there were some nice throwbacks last night by the way on sunday night football oh those 49ers unis yeah. Those were strange because they never wore those until they got Deion Sanders that year. Right. They win the Super Bowl and then they kind of just vanished. They never really wore them much. How electric did Deion look in those? I mean, how good did Deion look in those unis? That was as good as anyone's ever looked wearing a football uniform. Completely agree. I think those uniforms are the singular reason they won that game last night. Yep. No, they turned into a different team. I mean, there's such thing as uniform karma. I've always said it. So I think we saw it again on Sunday night. You got one interesting thing before we get out of here, Colby? Yeah, it's not football related, but my one interesting thing is just the uh, the Game 7 weekend that we had. And, you know, I don't know if you're a baseball fan or not, but I definitely am. And back-to-back Game 7s on Saturday and Sunday night were a blast. They were good games. And Bellinger last night hit that bomb. I was watching it live when he hit it. And, I mean, he just threw that bat down and stared at it. It was, uh, it was a pretty awesome sports weekend for baseball fans there's not much swag in the sport of baseball but that was the swaggiest it wasn't even like a bat flip it was more of just a i'm gonna walk like the undertaker to first base it was awesome that was about as cool as it gets he 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 tossed his bat halfway down the first baseline and he didn't get past his bat until after the ball had landed yeah that was incredible yeah so now that, that was a lot of fun uh, my one interesting thing was Nick Saban defeating COVID. He now moves to 1-0 against COVID-19. He's now 22-0 against uh, former assistant coaches. And I said last week, Cole, that it just seemed too easy with Georgia. Getting the points, was Saban dealing with that? I just – I had a feeling – I had a feeling Alabama was going to come out and, and dominate. Now, the game was much closer than the final score, but I felt bad for uh, Stetson Bennett the fourth, who sounds like the – pledge class president of of the Fijis on campus at Georgia not the starting quarterback he looked That's completely an, overwhelmed I mean that sounds like the name of a kid who couldn't get in to an elite university but then his his parents paid for him to get in so now he's <laughs> kind of there but he doesn't know what the hell he's doing <laughs> That's exactly right and he didn't know what he was doing in the game cuz he was seeing ghosts uh, against that Alabama defense but uh but anyway, that was the biggest game of the week. A really bad slate of football games. Hopefully next week is, is better with, obviously, Oklahoma State and, uh, and Iowa State. Yeah, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. Oklahoma TCU is out as well. I've got that line at seven. I'm showing Oklahoma State at three and a half. Texas and Baylor this week. I've got Texas as ten and a half point favorites. So much better football this week in the Big 12. No doubt. No doubt. Well, again, thanks to Chris's University Spirit for sponsoring the podcast. You can shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Colby, we will make our picks on Friday. We will pick our uniforms, and hopefully we'll have a better uh, best bet of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. Everybody enjoy a 4 o'clock NFL game this afternoon. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. 
We'll Love talk it. to you on uh, Friday, Colby. Sounds good. Have a good week.